Well, my name is Erica Albin, and um, my husband Josh and I adopted our oldest son, Seth, from Columbia, South America, back in 2007. The shameless, cute picture of my husband and baby. Um, at the time we adopted, we only knew a small part of this issue of orphans in the world. I just knew God was leading us to begin our family through adoption. And for us, that process and the ending of having Seth in our family was one of the most beautiful and amazing experiences of our lives. I kind of thought that adopting Seth would satisfy um, this pull inside of me to do something about the orphans in the world, but instead, through our adoption process, we only learned more and more about what is an unbelievable um, number of orphans in the world, as you saw in the video, now called the Global Orphan Crisis. The beauty of our family coming together through adoption is contrasted with the staggering and devastating issues surrounding the causes of millions of children being abandoned. To me, this issue provides the clearest proof that we live in a fallen world. The world is not as it should be, not as God intended it to be. I think most people would agree that an innocent child should never be left alone, starving and abandoned or cold without any hope. And as I've learned through the years, I truly believe that this is a war with many barriers, difficulties and attacks from the enemy. When I first learned about the unbelievable number of orphans in the world, I asked, like some of you may be asking, how is this possible? Why is this happening? And what can I do to help? And the answers are complicated, and the solutions are multifaceted, and we're just going to explore that together today. But the reasons behind the crisis are a lot less important than this. The Bible is clear that the heart of God is with an orphan. You saw some of the Bible verses about that in the video. The Bible's full of, of, of those. Um, and now I feel like I need to just take a second and stop and say this. Anytime I've um, been in, in a room full of people and there's a social justice issue being presented, I kind of instantly feel like some people just check out. You know, maybe you feel like this um, doesn't apply to you. Uh, maybe you're young, high school, college age, you're thinking, you know, my family's way down the road. Or maybe you're, you're older and you think your family's complete and, you know, adoption's not on the radar for you. Um, or maybe you just think, you know, this isn't my issue. I've, I've heard all this before and I don't really, I don't really care. It doesn't really resonate with me. So I just want you to stop right now and just kind of check your heart um, and just believe with me today that if God didn't have something to say to you today, you wouldn't be here. Because this, this issue um, of orphans in the world isn't just my issue or our family's issue or even our church's issue. Um, the story of orphans is your story. It's each of our stories. The Bible tells us that we were all orphans and that God, our true father, went to great lengths to adopt us into his family Without this, we are each alone, starving and cold, and without any hope. I remember what it felt like before I knew Christ, and even though I had an earthly family, just the loneliness um, that I had and, and what I was missing, um, the security and the strength and the hope that I have now from being a child of God. Bob's been talking a lot about this fall, about our identity in Christ. And for me, um, what he shared about the fact that I am no longer a slave to sin, but a child of God, really hit home with me. Um, Romans 8, 14 through 16 says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Greek word used in this verse for adoption to sonship um, is a term referring to the full legal standing of an adopted child and becoming like a male heir in the, in the Roman culture. So God has given us the chance to be adopted as his true children into his family. Despite most of us having earthly families, those of us who've joined the family of Christ can clearly remember the loneliness in our hearts before we were taken into his family <clears throat> by God, who is our true father. And it just isn't, it isn't 
sorry, it isn't just about our secure standing with our Father and our eternity. It's also about this awesome thing that we now have with our family of faith. Um, our brothers and sisters in Christ who walk with us and help us, um, they encourage us and support us and help at times rescue us even from all kinds of danger. I look around here every week and get overwhelmed by the amazing family that God has given me here with all of you. And we have the chance to share life together because of our mutual standing as God's children. So physical adoption of orphans in this world kind of mirrors God's plan for each of us to have a place in his family. Psalm 68.6 says, God sets the lonely in families. And Jesus himself said in John 14.18, when he was referring to his believers that he was leaving behind as he went to the cross, he said, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. If we can all start from today from the place of really seeing ourselves as orphans without Christ, I think it brings a brand new perspective um, to thinking about orphan care in this physical world, and it also makes our hearts much, hearts much softer towards people that are involved in this issue. And later I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the whole picture um, of orphan care, which involves many aspects even beyond adoption. However, physical adoption into a family is something I am extremely passionate about, as are many people here at Wellspring. We believe all children deserve a family. Today we're going to explore this issue together and hear some stories from people in our congregation who have first-hand experience. And I'm really excited about this first story. Uh, my friend Elena Fox is going to come and share with you. She's a sophomore at Central High School, right? I didn't, okay, I didn't mess that up. Okay. Junior. Sorry. Yeah. See, she's just grown up so fast. I knew Elena as a baby. I actually changed her diapers. So that gives you some reference on how old I am. Um, and so I've just watched her grow into an amazing young woman, and she's going to share her story with us today. Hello, everyone. Okay, so there have been some tendencies for um, people to cry during my story of a, about my adoption. So please do not cry. Um, even you, Mom. <laughs> because I have a tendency to cry when others cry, none of you are allowed to cry. <laughs> so please do that on your own time. Okay, so hello, everyone. My name is Elena Grace Fox. As many of you know, my parents are Rich Fox and Cindy Humphreys. I have two older brothers, Jared and Kyle. I was born on December 4, 1996 in St. Petersburg, Russia. My soon-to-be parents got the exciting phone call that every parent wishes for during adoption on August 14, 1997. After my parents received the phone call, they took a family picture and put it on a stuffed animal with my family. Wait. Okay, and put it on a stuffed animal and sent it to me in Russia so I would know who my family would be. One of the pictures on the right is of my mom um, with me on her lap holding this treasure. Shortly after, on November 11th, my parents set off to St. Petersburg, Russia. The first time my parents held me in their arms was a proof of a wonderful plan that God made. You can see the two pictures of my parents holding me for the first time. As you can see, my dad did not express much emotion as my mom. Oh, as my <laughs> he showed me the joy not shown in the pictures through a song titled For the First Time by Kenny Loggins. Let's just say I know what song we're going to dance to at my wedding. <laughs> my mom, on the other hand, cried tears of joy. She has always loved that picture as long as I can remember. It, it has been on my dresser ever as long as I can, can remember. To me, these pictures mean that my parents were so fortunate to be able to adopt a child. They have told me many times that with God's grace, they have me as their daughter. 
And that is how my parents came up with my middle name, Grace. Before leaving St. Petersburg, my parents and I had a picture taken of us in front of my orphanage, where I had spent almost the whole first year of my life. It is the picture in the center on the left. On November 18th, my parents headed home with their daughter that had already been a part of their family since August. Because of being adopted at such a young age, I do not remember anything about Russia. The only information I have is a passport, pictures, medical records, and vague information about being adopted, as well as my parents' names. As a child, I never thought um, I was a black, black sheep in my family because of being adopted. In fact, I blended right in with the family. Still to this day, people say I look like my family, and still my family and I quietly remark at the comment. It is still a funny comment to hear because I feel as if my parents are my birth parents, but I know in the back of my head that they are not. As a child, right when I would meet someone, I would tell them I was adopted. I used it as a, um, to get people's attention, so then they might like me. <laughs> Over the years, I have learned that the term being adopted is way more than a greeting when you meet someone. I now understand the privilege it is to be able to use this term because of the commitment it, my family went through in order for this to take place. Adoption is a large investment, and it takes time and money. As I've grown up, I have realized that all money does not grow on trees. It, it is worked for by my parents, and it, at the time, it was donated by friends and family. When I was little, I did not know the financial aspect of adoption. Now I do. A couple of years ago, when my grandpa was about to pass away, my mom told me to appreciate all of the things that both sets of my grandparents had done for me when I was adopted. Now and whenever I was adopted. They both provide, provided large financial supports to my parents when they adopted me. Knowing this, it's made me even more grateful to be a part of this wonderful family that I am so blessed to be in. And my friends and, and many friends helped as well to make sure my parents and I had a warm welcome when we came back to the United States after a one-week trip. As I grew up, I realized how broken and messed up this world is. I know God told my birth mom to put me up for adoption and she just could have easily not had me. But thanks to her, I am a part of an amazing family that I love to death and have made me who I am today. My mom also once told me that I would, if I would have had other siblings, that they would have adopted them as well. This will be remembered forever because even though they, wouldn't, they didn't have um, enough money at that time, they would have um, still... Um, adopted them. Like, considering the fact that they would have adopted them is a blessing. If you ask anyone in my family if I fit in, they would definitely say, yes, in fact, I oftentimes forget that she is adopted. God has a plan. His plan was for my parents to only adopt me and for my family to take me in like a blood-related sibling. You can see in every picture of our family, they instantly accepted me and loved me no different than anyone else in the family. If some of you are wondering if I would ever like to meet my birth parents, yes, as a matter of fact, I would. Their names are Savetlana and Sergei Vasilvia. 
Over the past few years, my mom has been supportive and helped me try to contact the, the adoption agency to see if we could find them. We unfortunately have not had any luck. Hopefully one day we will. I still can't fully grasp the adopt being adopted. I often forget that I can't base my physical characteristics off of my parents. It would be nice to meet my parents to see the ways I resemble them. Meeting them would allow me to see the other side of my life and what it could have been. God has a specific plan in mind for a reason, to change my family and friends' lives and for me to be a follower of Christ. And my family showed me that from day one. I know that this life decision is not easy and is an opportunity for a child to be a part of a family and know the love of Christ. I would one day like to be able to adopt a child and change their life like my parents did mine. My advice to grown-ups who are interested in adopting is to have hope that God has a plan for your family like he did ours. I'm grateful to be able to share my story with you all today. Thank you. I asked Elena this morning if she'd ever um, done this in public before, and she said no. So that was our first, first shot. So awesome job. Thank you. <clears throat> Well, as you probably know, um, there are many ways to adopt children here domestically in the United States and abroad. Um, just to give you some facts, the U.S. has about 500,000 children living in foster care right now, with about 116,000 waiting to be adopted. The, interna the international numbers are much higher, um, with about 15 million waiting to be adopted and another 140 or so million in some stage of transition between biological families and orphanages and foster homes and, and you know, um, for forever permanent families. So before this next story, um, I wanted to share with you a little about the changing picture of international adoption. Um, things have changed since we adopted Seth back in 2007. International adoption numbers peaked in about the year 2004, with about 23,000 children being adopted into the U.S. from other countries. Last year, that number was down to about 9,000. So 23,000 back in 04 and down to 9,000. And I just want to be clear that some of the reason is um, from the declining interest by adoptive parents, but that's not the main, the main reason. Um, the adoption process has gotten much harder, um, it's gotten more expensive, and there are a number of um, international community people that kind of believe adoption should be a last resort for a child, um, causing governments to kind of reconsider their regulations and just their strategies for taking care of orphans. Um, like I said er earlier, I do believe every effort should be made um, to kind of keep, keep those families together, but I do believe those without families should be adopted. We're going to talk about options besides adoption in a few minutes, but what you need to know about adopting is that today it is harder and more expensive and more complicated. Part of the good news is that many healthy infant orphans are being adopted by people in their home countries, and the effort to prevent children from becoming orphans in the first place is making headway. However, the number of orphan children with special needs, um, children older than the age three, and sibling groups is only growing. So the days of saying, sure, we'll adopt as long as we get a healthy infant, it'll take about a year and, and we'll be done, um, you know, that's, that's kind of, those are dwindling, those days are dwindling. That's what we did. I'm definitely not knocking that or saying that was easy, but I'm just saying it does look a little different today, and in many ways it's more difficult. So the question is, does that mean we shouldn't do it? Does God's call on us change just because adoption is requiring more of us? I just really don't see anything in Scripture that says that. As the process gets harder and longer and children get older, as children get older, their chances of being adopted decrease. And yes, adopting a child with special needs or an older child might be more difficult. But a good case could be made that these children are the most vulnerable, vulnerable and truly the least of these in our world. 
and our hearts could even be more compelled to take care of them. We shouldn't answer God's call on us to do something on the condition that, that, be, that it be easy for us. The next story is from my good friend, Kendra Shear, and she and her husband adopted some older siblings a few years ago. You come on up. Um, and she's going to share some of her perspective on this idea of things being hard and what we should do about that. Public speaking, blech. <laughs> this is my weakness, so hopefully God has me where he wants me. I'm Kendra. My husband Steve's over there. We have two biological children, and Levi and Layla joined our family two and a half years ago through adoption. Um, they came home at ages four and five. One of the strangest phenomena of being an adoptive parent especially of older children that don't look like you, is you'll be at the grocery store or something and you'll have people come up to you and say, oh, it's just so great what you've done. Like, you're just saintly. And I'll just set the record straight. We are not that. (laughs) Um, I'm very selfish. I like to sleep. I like a clean house. I don't particularly like high noise levels. And Um, None of those desires really mesh well with having four children. (laughs) But God has slowly been changing my heart and perspective to be more like his. Let me just lay out the basic themes about what God says about children in the Bible. They're made in his image. We should be more like them. They're a blessing, a gift, and an inheritance. We're to train them to know the Lord and his word, and, and we're to talk to them about it every day. If we care for them or take in an orphan in need, we will be blessed for it, and it is as if we have done it for Jesus himself. I want to focus a little bit right now on the theme of children being a blessing. That really isn't the overall message that we're being sent in America right now. We're told that they're an inconvenience, a financial burden, and just a buzzkill in general. (laughs) But this is all contrary to what God says about them. His word says things like, in Psalm 127, 3 through 5, Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He will not be put to shame at the city gates. Um, Psalm 113.9 says he gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Matthew 18.5 says, And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. Adopting an older child, a sibling group, or a child with special needs will not be easy. There is absolutely zero chance that it will be easy. This has been one of the hardest things that our family has ever done. When you adopt, you take on the burden and responsibility of a child's education, their spiritual health, their emotional health, their physical health. And most of the time in adoptions, all these things have been wounded or broken by circumstances and messages sent through abandonment. Page turn. (laughs) Usually, they haven't had access to education. They may have lacked nutrients while their little bodies were forming. But the deepest wound is the internal repeating message of unwantedness and unworthiness. My job as Levi and Layla's mom 
is to change that repeating message in their heads to things like, I'm loved, I'm wanted, I'm good. God created me with a purpose. I'm made in my Father's image. Some days, this battle is too hard for me. I'm still figuring out my own brokenness. And now I'm trying to help someone else with theirs. All I can do is cry out to God. Can't see. So, <laughs> but in those times, I'm reminded of these verses and how they apply to me, but also to Levi and Layla. Jeremy, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. James 1, 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And once again, Psalm 127, 3 through 5. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He will not be put to shame at the city gates. I get the privilege of being part of the redemptive story of Levi and Layla. I get to be foster in faith in Levi and Layla's mom. God chose me, and he knew me, and he knew I wasn't great. <laughs> they are my inheritance. They are my reward. They are a blessing. Every child is precious to God. The child with Down syndrome, the child missing a limb, the child who's been sexually abused, the child who's going to need extra help in school, the child with HIV, these things do not make them less worthy. What makes them worthy and what makes them a gift is that they're made in God's image. They show a piece of God in each one of us. If we really believe this, how will it impact our life? Can we see God's plan for us may include discomfort and financial insecurity? Sometimes accepting God's call may include blessings, blessing us beyond measure with challenges and children. <laughs> when you adopt, you become part of a big, messy community of other adoptive families. There have been so many times that I've called another mama in our church crying and at the end of myself, and there's always encouragement here. There are things you can do to help support a family who is or has adopted. Number one is just to pray for them. It is a battle in so many ways, and we need people praying for us and for our kids. Satan doesn't want them to believe that they are children of God, and he does not want them to be whole. Um, number two is bring them food. <laughs> that was something that everyone did for us after we got back from Ethiopia, and it was so great to be able to just focus on our family and um, to not have to be cooking those first few weeks. Um, love their kids. This one means so much to Steve and I, um, encouraging both our biological and adoptive kids. Just loving on them through your words and action is so life-giving to us and encouraging to us, and I need your backup. <laughs> Sometimes things can get pretty negative when you're parenting um, in difficult situations, and that well-placed encouragement has helped me refocus many times. Um, financial support. 
obviously adoption is expensive and families need help to fit that bill most of the time. And whenever you give to someone who's adopting, you get to be part of that big plan. My hope is that one day my kids will be up here like Elena, um, sharing their story of the plan that God had for them. And nothing I can think of would be a bigger blessing and an inheritance for me than to have my kids feeling that way and um, just continuing on to share that love with other people. I'm not telling you all this stuff to guilt you into action. I'm telling you things with these things with the hope that you would not make decisions based on fear. Fear is used to hold us in a place of inaction. It will rob you of the beautiful and sometimes painful blessings that God is offering you in this life. Thank you all for your attention and the time this morning and the role that you've played in our children and our family's life. We just love you guys. We just have some slides to show really quick, some photos. Um, As we started talking about doing this and planning this service, the word that just kept coming to my mind was just celebrating what God has done in the past years with just family and people and children in our lives. So these are our friends that you'll be seeing. Um, Again, this is Elena and her family. We heard from her. Some great pictures. You can go to the next one. Our friends Sarah and Leighton DeGarmo, who are part of Wellspring, Sarah's family um, has adopted um, several children from the Philippines, and uh, Mike and Karen Barnes are her parents, um, and you can see them there. They have adopted Isaac, Kim, Lancer, Josh, and Gerard, and then this photo right here is three boys who are waiting, um, and hopefully sometime this summer, they'll be coming to join their family, and they are Arturo, Melvin, and Erico. So that's a great family, some great friends of ours. You can go to the next one. This is Devin and Stacy Kearns and their family. And they have Aaron, um, who is from Ethiopia, and Rachel, who came to them from Korea. And Rachel came first, and then Aaron. And they are her friends with beautiful, wonderful two kiddos. You can go to the next one. This is Kendra and Steve and their family. Here you can see Faith and Foster that she talked about and then Levi and Layla, who came two and a half years ago from Ethiopia. Okay. This is Erica and her family, Josh and Erica Alban, and Seth, that is baby Seth over there when he was in Colombia, and then Eli and the twins. Okay. And this is the Kelloggs, Dan and Jennifer Kellogg. And they um, have Jamel, who in 2012, right, May of 2012, joined their family. So that's their beautiful family. Next one. And this is the Millers, and Bob and Kristen and their family. And this is Xavier, who came, um, or they were in Ethiopia August and September. So he's only been here for a few short months. Okay. And this is Eric and Sarah Foxlinton. Nathaniel, (laughs) that's baby Nathaniel up there. He was actually born in the United States. He's a domestic, this is a domestic adoption, and he joined their family. He's a year old, so about a year ago. So those pictures just put, I mean, a clear, actual face with some of those statistics and the fact that our congregation, you know, is 
is, is in this and has um, gone through some of these adoptions. Um, so I'm just going to shift and kind of um, start to close our time with just the three-prong approach to orphan care that exists in our world today. Um, as I said earlier, the orphan crisis just cannot be fixed simply through adoption, though it is one of the parts and desperately needed. However, many of those people passionate about helping orphans have realized that there is more to the story. The good news is there are many people who are spending their lives working to help, um, and progress is being made, but there is much more to be done. So the first part of the approach to helping orphans is called orphan prevention. This area takes a look at each specific country um, and looks at the reasons why biological families cannot stay together. Um, you know, the reasons vary from area to area. It can be from just uh, lack of education, disease, financial issues, cultural bias for certain things, um, lack of family counseling or job training, some safety issues, or just some laws and governmental policies. So the, the people that are working in this area work to erase those issues, um, and so they can help families you know, be able to stay together without having to abandon children. Um, this, this has a lot of possibilities for things that could be considered orphan prevention, and Wellspring um, has participated in this um, by helping to build clean water wells in El Salvador and in Ethiopia. You kind of can't measure um, how many orphans were prevented by those things, but sometimes a family just cannot keep a child because of an illness. So if we prevent things like you know, illnesses transmitted through dirty water, um, a lot of times that families can, can stay together. So um, basically just what you need to remember is that orphan prevention is something that is working to um, alleviate any issue that would cause a family to be separated. This area you can help with in, in, in a lot of ways, and you're going to hear a little more about that at the end. Um, our second, the second prong is orphan care. So we've got the prevention and then the care. And so this area is about caring for children who are currently living as orphans, whether or not they'll ever be adoptable. The reality is that a large portion of the world's orphans will never be adopted, um, either because of the laws of their country or the fact that they have a living parent who won't relinquish their rights or the unwillingness of people to come forward and adopt them. So orphan care involves supporting orphanages, um, supporting the workers that care for those children, um, and supporting educators that, that help um, go into those orphanages and raise children um, into you know, learning about God and about just um, how to have a, a productive life. Um, Wellspring has helped in this area by contributing to help build an orphanage in Bluefields, Nicaragua, and by supporting rescued readers who partners with Children's Hope Chest in caring for orphans. So that's another area that anybody can help with. Um, and you can do that by partnering with any number of, of good agencies out there that are working in that area. And finally, as we've talked about a lot today, the third prong is adoption, and this really cannot be ignored. Um, children are growing up without families. Those in orphanages age out of the system, usually around age 16. Um, and for the 14 million who age out each year, the statistics are bleak. Studies have shown that 10 to 15 percent of these children commit suicide before age 18. They show that 60% of the girls end up becoming prostitutes, and 70% of the boys become hardened criminals. In the U.S., it's reported that 15,000 orphans age out of, of state-run institutions every year. Um, of those numbers, 10% commit suicide, 5,000 are unemployed, 6,000 are homeless, and 3,000 are in prison within three years. Those children never have a family to grow into adulthood. So here's the reality. Um, I know not everyone here is called to adopt a child, but I know, do know that many of you have considered it, and it's much easier to just kind of let those thoughts fade to the background and to go on with our daily life. Um, the orphans aren't here in front of you saying, bring me home, give me a family. Um, the process is hard, and it takes you, um, you know, stepping out and kind of investigating some of the stuff for yourself. There's actually a statistic that says that 30% of Americans have considered adopting, and only 2% have followed through. So there's a huge disconnect between people that have thought about it and people that actually take the steps and do it. But I also know that we can do more as a congregation to encourage and support those who do step forward. 
kind of had this vision um, for us as I was preparing this, and I envisioned that there would be this family that would step forward and say, we want to do this adoption thing, and then there would be just a group of people, a small group, maybe 10, 20 people come around them and say, we're with you in this. We're going to help you with your paperwork, with your process. We're going to help you with raising money. We're going to pray for you, and we're going to just walk together to help you bring this child into, into your family and into our um, spiritual family here at Wellspring. So the beauty of our community here at Wellspring is that we do get to do life together. Uh, many of you experience that on a day-to-day basis just with our brothers and sisters in Christ here. And since we've all been taken from our own orphan status and adopted into God's family, this call to care for orphans is another area that we can grow together and support each other through. So thanks for listening today. Bob's going to kind of come up and close our time together. Some other thoughts. I think it was really important, um, the message that they talked about of just, uh, you know, that we were all orphans. And some of you guys know a little bit about my story. Um, my parents were divorced when I was pretty young. And um, sorry, this paper on the ground is going to annoy me if, unless it's moved. Um, and, you know, I, I had dad that was, quote unquote, you know, there. Um, uh, but he never came to anything. Um, he didn't ever come to any of my games, never came to anything significant in my life, my graduation. Um, I had to pay for him to come to my wedding. Um, and so in a lot of ways, I felt just abandoned. I quote-unquote had a father, um, but really didn't feel like I had one. And so some men came into my life, uh, coaches, young life leaders, that really became spiritual fathers to me. Um, I needed to know how to be a man. I needed to know how to be a husband, how to be a dad. I need people to teach me those things. And uh, there's a tremendous opportunity, uh, even just right here in St. Joseph. There are a lot of young men and women growing up, uh, quote-unquote, in families with parents who aren't being parented. And in a lot of ways, they're being abandoned uh, by their own families that they live with every day. And we have uh, uh, guys in our, in our congregation who are coaching basketball teams over at Edison and, and taking kids uh, on the weekends into their homes and, and loving on them. And there's opportunities here to be a part of that um, as well. And so one of the things that we just wanted to leave you with today was it's really not a, a question of whether, whether, that's not even a word, whether or not um, you were involved in this, in this orphan um, or fatherless crisis in this world. It's just how are you going to do that? Um, I was in a small group, gosh, probably six years ago with Josh and Erica who just adopted uh, Seth. Um, and then the Shears who were in the process of getting their children uh, and myself and the Yokums and I don't know what the Yokums are doing, but um, it's time to step up. But so, but I remember the encouragement. I remember the encouragement of, uh, of watching other folks in their process. I can honestly remember the, the exact moment um, when God spoke to me and just said, hey, you need to adopt. And um, I was sitting at a church conference um, it was probably like 2005, and literally for about the next five years, I just kind of ignored it and thought of all the reasons why it wasn't feasible financially and how hard it was going to be. I was an only child and already had three kids in my home, and so that's like so chaotic to me, um, but it was just something that God would not let go of, and the great thing about, you know, finally making that commitment and stepping forward and getting the ball rolling was right away people in our church 
um, you know, uh, Allie Browning said, hey, I'm going to do a Zumba class, and I'm going to donate all the money to you. And, and we had so many people help us with the basketball tournaments we've done in the last two years and volunteer their time, refing and working the concession stand and all those things. And it really is a beautiful picture of, of, of community and really what church family is all about and inviting them in. Not only are they a part of my Bajigal family, but they're a part of the spiritual family here, and that's so important as well. So we would love, any of us would love to talk with you about that. We want to encourage you. Um, the financial barriers are not something that should keep you from doing this. Um, we will help you uh, raise money to do that, um, or in whatever way you want to get involved. We'd love to tell you more about that as well. So let me close this in prayer as we wrap up our service today. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Um, God, I remember being at um, at Young Life Camp um, as a 16-year-old, and um, I remember hearing about your love for me. And I remember just how much I needed to hear that. I needed to know that my Heavenly Father thought I was um, special, <laughs> thought I was worth um, giving His Son's life for. I needed to just hear that I um, could be used by you to do something great with my life. Oh God, you're so good to us. And so, Lord, we um, we just pray that our hearts would be open. Because we saw the numbers on the screen. There's millions of kids that are literally um, orphaned and abandoned who are, uh, if they haven't yet, they will ask those same questions. Does anybody love me? Does anybody care? There are kids sitting in homes right now who have parents that just, um, for whatever reason, just can't express that. And so there are so many children, um, even just right here in St. Joseph, that are asking that question every day. And some of us are teachers and, and coaches and, um, you know, just have influential places with children. And God, they need spiritual fathers and mothers in their life. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to represent your heart. God, that when you look at each one of these children all over the world that you created, that you knit together, that you called wonderful, God, that we would treat them as that. And Lord, I pray that as we just go about our days that we remember um, your desire to, to bring people into your family, Lord. And we thank you that we have a Heavenly Father that loves us so much and calls us precious and calls us his. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.